to amplify my voice. So and I'll probably just walk up and down the aisle and make people feel uncomfortable as I pass them. It's funny when I do this, like people will look away. I just kind of look at the ground like, oh, hopefully he doesn't talk to me or anything personal. So, so I know the, the theme today and I, I could hear a little bit about what Jelaine was speaking about. And, you know, it's something that we definitely emphasize and push here at Agape Center is fellowship. And I have a, a, a sad thing to tell you guys today. We're not going to be preaching out of Second Corinthians today. Ah, uh, sorry. However, I switched it up. We are going to be speaking, as I do from time to time, on fellowship. And today I wanted to just take the opportunity to speak about fellowship in a way that I don't know if I've ever truly um, spoken to this group about. I, I know... Um, that I've had conversations with individuals, maybe on a personal level and stuff like that. Um, I get that Sundays are a time where many of you, and I speak as someone that is, I don't want to say guilty of it, we come to church because, we, some, some people come to church because the music, Lord's, Lord knows we don't have anything fancy here, we play our stuff, my wife, nope. We put stuff on the screen, you guys sing to the song, but it's great to hear you guys sing. It's good to hear you guys raise your voices. Some of you come because you want to hear the message. You want to hear a sermon, right? You want to leave here feeling a sense of conviction. You want to leave here feeling a sense of encouragement. All beautiful things, all biblical things. But I never want to stray away from the emphasis of fellowship on why we come together on Sundays for fellowship just because our butts are in the pews and we're all sitting in the same room we don't talk we don't interact we don't converse we don't pray for one another we don't share testimonies thank you these are things where I feel like the fellowship component can lack right you come in you can be in a church for a long time People can be gone for a while, whatever. There's just no connection. I guess I want to spend today just to really talk about the significance of fellowship and a means of our perseverance as Christians. Because fellowship is a primary means of our perseverance to follow Christ. And everyone in this room, everyone in this room, struggles. Amen or ouch, right? Everyone struggles. Everyone has their days, their weeks, sometimes even their months, where they are just in a funk. Amen? Amen. We are the means to one another to persevere in our following of Jesus Christ. You can come to church, as we want people to do. You can come and listen to a sermon. You can sing songs, as we want you guys to do. But we also understand and know that when you look in the first century and you look at the first century church, guess what? They might have sang some songs, some hymns, right? But you know, many of them, they didn't have, there was no Bibles. There wasn't anyone necessary. They would read scripture to one another. They would read God's word. But they would come together. They would share their gatherings. They would have possessions they would share. They would, they would eat together and all these things. These were things that they just focused on doing because they shared in their faith in Jesus Christ. You guys are all a part of a family as professed believers in Jesus Christ. You are. 
a family. You have the opportunity to share in Christ with one another. Now, it's easy for us as Christians to sometimes just see that as, a, as an individual thing. Like, I'm a Christian. I need to focus on my walk with Jesus Christ. Yes, you do. That is a, an important thing. But you are also a means of an edifier and an encouragement to the brother and sister next to you as well in regards to their relationship and their following of Jesus Christ. And if you're an individual that strays away from that, and I want you to think about this, if you're an individual that stays away from that kind of fellowship, not only are you stifling your fellowship with Christ, but guess who else's fellowship you could be stifling? Others. It is amazing to me when I get to sit and hear people open up and speak about stuff that they have going on. We, got, we had to listen to a wonderful speaker last night, right? sharing his testimony. And I, I really respected what he said. He said, our testimonies aren't the gospel. They're not. But there's a power in our testimonies when we share them. Because what it can do is it really lets down those walls to individuals around us. Like, wait a minute, this individual is going through what I'm going through. Or maybe not specifically, but wait, I, I see Rick, I see Brandon, I see Jelaine in church. Every, you're telling me that these individuals aren't perfect and always well put together? No. You know why? Because we're not perfect. We're human beings. We're all sinners saved by God's grace. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. So these are the things where I want to make sure that we stop and we understand and we take the opportunity to really dive into this component of fellowship in a way that maybe all of us in here have sidestepped in our walks. We, we live in a time now where we, are more, we have more capabilities of being connected than ever before, but guess what? We're the most disconnected right now as people, as individuals. We just are. You're okay. I answer phones though too. If Ernie was here, you could ask Ernie. I just, I want you guys... It's all right. We're going... My prescription is... Well, Ken had a great... <laughs> Ken had a great story about Walmart last night. You guys remember that? He said that he found the Lord in, he found the Lord in the Walmart parking lot and he goes it is true that he goes it is true that Walmart does sell everything because he found Christ in the parking lot. So he said like aisle 3 down to the yeah, whatever. But anyways, I want you guys to think about that. Think about all the different ways and means that we have to connect with one another, but yet it just seems like we're the most disconnected with one another. We take advantage of these opportunities that we have to actually communicate and meet up. We have texting, we have instant messaging, if that's even used anymore, direct messaging, I don't know. I felt like I was in AOL there back in 1995. But anyways, these are the things where, where we struggle and we stop. And a lot of the times too, our culture obviously puts stuff in our ways in our lives, and we grab onto things that even prevent us from having the fellowship that we're called to have with other believers. I get it. I do. But as a pastor, guess what? My job isn't to stand up here and condemn you, but it is to stand up here and offer some correction and even some conviction in your hearts as well for you to leave here and evaluate your lives and how you're truly connecting with people of the church. This building is not the church. You guys are the church. Other churches that are meeting right now and speaking about Jesus Christ and speaking about the true gospel, guess what? They are church as well. They are part of the same family that we are a part of. 
you guys have the benefit though this is why the local assembly and the local gathering is is very important because guess what if you look around you here's the people that you can start connecting with it's like pre-packaged for you right here here's the group where you can start to form men's groups and, and women's bible studies where we can start to formulate and do camping trips or where we can do picnics or whatever the case may be and I know that there are some churches that struggle with the idea of even having that social element implemented because a lot of the churches can get too big in numbers, right? We just come in, we can sit, we can listen, and we can go. Now, I'm not saying that big churches are bad. I'm, I'm not going to say that. I just, when I stand up here every Sunday and I look at all of you and all your pretty faces, I see the opportunity here in some amazing fellowship. Why? Because we are literally in a tuna can. Literally, you can smell each other's deodorant. For those folks that aren't wearing it, you can probably smell them too. <laughs> we are that close to one another. We are Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, period. Same family. I heard a pastor say, he gave these different uh, versions of fellowship as he was preaching and teaching to his church about it. He said, you know, fellowship in, in biblical days was this. He goes, um, there's a, an individual and his brother in the faith that were about to be burned in England, okay? And this individual said to his brother in the faith, he said, as we go to be lit on fire, let this be a candle that's lit that never burns out in the minds of those who see it. And I sat there and I thought to myself, like, am I even in the realm of that? To where I can look at a brother and know that I'm gonna go and get burned. And my only care and concern is, is that when these individuals send me to the stakes to be burned, that my willingness to do it for the name of Jesus Christ will leave an impression on the people that are burning me to a place to where this man obviously believes in Jesus to the point where he's willing to die for Jesus. It was a conviction. But then this pastor gave another great analogy. He goes, but guess what else is powerful? Send someone a text message to say that you're praying for them. Have a cup of coffee with an individual that maybe you don't know that well. Make a meal for somebody. Go to a small group and sit down and just give them your time. He goes, do you know in the kingdom of God that can be just as powerful as the former? Because you're edifying this individual. You're edifying and encouraging people around you. You're showing other Christians Jesus Christ. Everyone in this room can attest and say that there are days where it just seems like a struggle to keep your head above water, right? It is your brother and sister next to you that are going to be the ones to help bear that burden with you. They're called to bear that burden with you. They do it not out of a sense of compulsion or even obligation. Guess why they do it? They do it because they love Christ, which means, guess what? They love you. Amen. Hallelujah. This is a beautiful thing for us to come to even today because this is an opportunity for us as a gathering to really stop and evaluate where our hearts are at. I'm going to have you guys open up your Bibles. I'm going to have you go to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to go through some texts here just to kind of give a little bit more meat and potatoes to what it is that I'm talking about because I don't want you to just stop and go, Pastor Josh is just standing up here talking about it. You guys understand and know, and I, I appreciate you guys coming in sitting under me as your pastor, listening to my preaching and teaching, but I'm not naive either. I also know that you guys could go online and you guys could listen to sermons, which many people do, 
And you guys could, could develop a knowledge of the Bible in a matter of, I, I read one guy said that you could go through a Bible course in like a year and learn scripture more than some people that went to um, theology school in three years. So there's more to this, and I appreciate you guys doing this and coming in and sitting and listening to me, but one of the things as a pastor that I do need to always emphasize with you is this element of fellowship. My wife and I, guess what? We desire fellowship. It was an awesome thing last night to have these men sit at a round table and us enjoy a meal together. It was. I had my sons. I had my, my brothers in, faith, in the faith here at the church. I had my father-in-law. It was just an awesome time to be able to sit there. And enjoy that fellowship, to be around like-minded brothers. And there were sisters there, too, that were assisting with the event. But Hebrews chapter 3, I'm going to start off here at verse 12. And this is just speaking about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. But this is this warning against unbelief. And I want you guys to listen to what the author of Hebrews is saying here. He says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called what? Today. Today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. I want to stop and I want us to think about this. When we are struggling, everyone in here in attested and said amen and ouch to the fact that we all struggle. How many of you in, in here agree you can raise your hand, you can nod your head, you can give me a wink or an uncomfortable look, it doesn't matter. How many of you would agree that sin seems that much more tempting when you're not in a good place? Amen, right? Like the fruit of the Spirit just seems to go out the window I'm angry about mine. I'm struggling. Life's kicking me in the butt. The sin just seems that much more tempting. The author here is letting us know that it's through sin, which can also be for those with an unbelieving heart, that does what from the living God? Turns us away. But what is the means in verse 13 in which we are called to resort to or we as a church should look at other brothers and sisters that are maybe struggling where sin now seems that much more pleasurable and that much more enticing. What are we called to do? Encourage one another. How often, Jelaine? Not just on Sunday. Once again, this is valuable. This is important. Sunday is a beautiful... We're, we're called in the Bible. Don't forsake the gathering. It says it later on in this book in Hebrews chapter 10. Don't forsake the gathering, the assembly as some have gotten in the habit of doing. Why? Because this is viable. This is important. We are called to come together, listen to the Word. We're called to come together, sing songs and all that. We're called to come together and have fellowship. But there's a component about this fellowship that's viable and important even Monday through Saturday that we should remember as Christians. Because we know that are junk in life, we know that the issues that we go through aren't on some kind of time limit or time frame. All of us have had a bad Monday. All of us have had a horrible Tuesday, a nasty Wednesday, a funky Thursday, a not-so-fun Friday, right? Like, we know this. 
we have to be the means of one another in regards to our encouragement. Because if we're not out there encouraging, it also says here too that there will be a lack of perseverance for those who call on Jesus Christ. And I want you to read this because this is, this is important. It says, We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. I told my wife last night as we're talking, as we got back from the men's group and I tried to spare from a sermon at 10 o'clock at night, I said, you want to really know who's a Christian and who loves Christ? It's going to be the one that preserves and endures until the very end. Kind of makes you think about the parable of the sower, right? The seed goes out and plants itself and you got all these four different ground types that happen. Some seeds, you know, they go in, they're snatched up at the very first sign of adversity. Some seeds plant, they grow, show a little bit of greenery, but really nothing's produced. But then there's that one seed that plants itself, it roots itself, it shows some greenery, and guess what? It actually starts to bear and show some fruit. That is the seed that perseveres. That is the seed that endures. I'm have you guys go ahead and just turn back to Mark now, chapter 13. Verse 13. As you know, as a pastor, I always want to connect Scripture with Scripture. So, so I want you to keep that in mind. We just read in Hebrews 3, it's those who actually, that truly hold to the, the original conviction that they have in Jesus Christ. It's those individuals that we see that will endure, preserve to the end. We as Christians are called to be the means of that perseverance to those people, to those individuals. Mark 13, 13 also reminds us. Jelaine, do you want to read that? Sure. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. We just read in Hebrews... What is a primary means for us as Christians to stand firm to the very end? We are. Many of you in here have seen many people that are professed Christians, that know their Bibles, they know all the hymns, they know all the things that they're supposed to do, but maybe they don't truly know Christ. Maybe they don't desire to be around other brothers and sisters in the faith. I, I, I plead with you guys as your pastor that here in a moment, we're going we're gonna to take an opportunity. And we just, we just read it in 2 Corinthians, I think it was in chapter 4, where Paul reminds us, he says, outwardly we're dying, but what's going on inwardly, daily? We're being renewed. Being renewed inwardly, daily. You guys are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We heard from the speaker yesterday, and I told my wife, I said, I hope these men don't think I'm biting off of what he said, but he literally was talking about what I was going to say today. Holy Spirit has this ability to search the deep things of your heart and your mind. To put light into places where there's been darkness for too long. And all of us in here, because we just all admitted that none of us are perfect. And if you claim that you are, see me after church. We got to talk. All of us in here have parts of our hearts that are still plagued with a sense of darkness. We're not perfect. We're being perfected. 
We're, be, we're in the process of being sanctified, which means being made more and more like Jesus Christ, growing daily in Him. But there's a means to that that many of us are missing out on. And I believe for many of us, it's a means in which Christ wants to probably meet you the most in your walk with Him. And that is in fellowship. But as long as we continue to walk around with these places in our hearts that still are plagued with darkness, I believe it's those very things that will keep us out of intentional fellowship in the way that Scripture calls for us to be in. And guys, this could be anything. It really could be. Guys spoke about it last night. Once again, Dave and Brandon, I'm, I'm not copying the speaker last night, but the world has an amazing way of making things look like temporary things are eternal things. Amen? Especially for men. Like, women too. women too. You can have this stuff, but don't make me get rid of this over here. And it could be this over here that you're holding on to that's preventing you from being in that place with Christ in which you're called to be. It's that very thing that could be preventing you from being in fellowship with people the way that you're supposed to be. Because guess what? Worldly relationships are topical and temporary. Flat out. Even the ones with our families, guys. Many of you in here can say amen to that as well. When you're in fellowship and relationship with brothers and sisters who share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ, these relationships are called to be deep and eternal. Relationships that you've never known anything about until you've come to Christ. It's through being with individuals and people that share in the sufferings of Christ and which you share in that you guys link arms with one another with the reminder and the remembrance that I was a sinner saved by God's grace and I'm continuing to be saved by God's grace. And I want to endure and persevere to the end when I get to meet Him in glory and spend eternity with him as well. But guess what, brother, sister, I need you. And guess what? You need me. Because the word says it's only for those who endure to the end are the ones that will be what? Saved. We need to stop looking at fellowship in such a, what the speakers say about the Holy Spirit last night, giving it visiting hours. I loved how he said that. Since some of us in here with our walk with Christ, we just do a visiting hours. Like, yeah, I, you can come and see me on this day, but on these days you can't. Amen. We do that. We do that with one another. But guess what? We walk around with Christ Jesus in us. We walk around as a means to Jesus. So when I see and think about that too, I think, man, if we do that with our brothers and sisters in Christ, it is just the same way as like we're doing it with Christ himself. I'll talk to you and have coffee with you on Sunday, but man, I need my Mondays and I need my Tuesdays and I need my Thursdays because this is my time. No, 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 no. Remember what Christ Jesus did for you. Your life now belongs to him. Why? Because he gave his life for you. That is the essence of our faith. That is the essence of the grace that we walk around with daily. We just covered it. Paul said, I urge you not to take this grace in vain. Meaning, our lives are supposed to be evidence of it. They're supposed to be this, this expression of the grace that we receive from God. And I'm going to close with this real quick. 
May I have you guys go ahead and turn to the book of John. So just a couple books up. Go straight and take two rights. We're going to look at John chapter 17. We just now, I, I kept everything internal with the church, but I got to leave and exit this sermon now with the witnessing side of it. Why does this matter? We just spoke about why it matters to us as the church, why it matters to us as believers. We're not here as Christians professing Jesus' name so we can just punch that ticket and go to heaven. You know why we do what we do? We do what we do so then now we can take this news because remember the ministry of reconciliation that we've been called to have? We now take this news and this good news and we go to other non-believers and guess what? We tell them about Jesus Christ so then they can get to know Christ and punch their ticket to heaven. But then they'll know when they put on the mind of Christ, nope, it's not about my ticket, it's about that person over there that's still blinded to the ways of the world. That is our emphasis. But what is a primary way that we show the world that this truth, the truth that we live out, this God, the God that we worship, this Christ, the Christ that we worship and follow in fellowship, what is a means and a way that we express as this awesome witness to a world around us that really knows nothing about fellowship? You watch the news, you hear the word unity all the time, don't you? They don't know true unity. You see the chaos in the news. We even participate in the chaos from time to time, right? She don't want to. I got enough of my own. <laughs> John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus prays for all believers. So he prays to be glorified. He prays for his disciples, that great intercessory prayer. Now he's praying for all believers. And listen to what Christ Jesus himself says. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete what? Unity. Listen to this, church. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Is our witness to the world big, beautiful church buildings? Is our witness to the world how many crosses we can put on a necklace and walk around with or how many tattoos we can have? How many scriptures we can memorize? Jesus Christ himself just gave us the foundation of our most powerful witness to the world around us. It is our unity with one another as Christians. It is the way that we have fellowship with one another as Christians. And I'm not talking about, Jelaine and I have talked, I'm not talking about this, this lukewarm, ecumenical, everything's welcome in garbage. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about people that just believe and trust in the gospel, the good news, Jesus Christ saved you and I, sinners deserving of judgment. He saved us through taking our sin and the sins of the world to the cross. 
that for those who put their faith in him will never know death, but live in eternity with him. That's the good news of the gospel. We bring that message out to the world. We live that message within one another. We show the grace that God has given us through this good news, through how we treat one another. The world witnesses that unity. Through witnessing that unity, guess what? This God that they talk about may be real. This Christ that they worship. As I spoke to you guys earlier about the, the individual that just went to the stakes to be burned. That's one amazing way to live the grace out that you've received. That you're willing to literally burn for Christ with a hope that those who are burning you will see your willingness to go to that extent so then they too can come to know Christ. None of us in here are perfect. We are called in Scripture to strive for perfection. That means that our default is on Christ. When we slip and we struggle, we get back up and we pursue Christ. When we, when we slip and we struggle, Brothers and sisters are there to get us back up, to encourage us, to pray for us. Everyone in this room slips and struggles. Everyone in this room has been in places where they've wondered if they'll ever be able to return from it. You need Christ Jesus in your life. If you look around this room, his body is here with you period. We are a means to one another. We show Christ to one another. Amen? Amen. I'm going to play a song. I want you guys to take this time to ask the Holy Spirit, ask God the Father, ask Jesus Christ to search your heart for darkness, to illuminate your heart to restore you, to convict you, to remind you, to, so to give you sorrow as we spoke about last week. So you can come to a place of repentance, turning away from that sin, turning away from those places that maybe you have just simply been giving God visiting hours on. Things that you have been putting in a place that truly belongs where God needs to be in your life. So these things can be removed, swept clean, swept away, so you can start walking in the way that Christ has called for you to walk. And that is going to be expressed through the fellowship that you have with other believers. Amen?